talk sort of about how we like the conception of my son after that. But I will say that that I made a mistake when because we were we ended up getting pregnant with my son who was born a healthy um, a healthy baby. We had a healthy pregnancy um, fairly quickly after, like in terms of like like pregnancy loss and all that fairly quickly after. But um, we when we got pregnant, um, I canceled my next appointment with my therapist and was like, hey, uh, we're pregnant. So I think I'm good now. <laughs> and that was that was a mistake. Mm. Um, because the hustle and bustle of an excitement of being pregnant um, was take like was overshadowing that grief. And I really suffered with postpartum depression and rage with my son. And I would like, I compared to like, I can, I've compared it to like packing that grief away in a box mm-hmm. and, and just kind of sh- pushing it back in the attic. Um, but then stumbling across it and accidentally opening it and like just a flood of emotions just hits you. Welcome to Resilient Moms, Hope, Healing, and Living After Loss podcast. My name is Teresa Reiniger and I am a mindset and grief transformation coach. I'm here to hold space for grieving moms to find support and resources to navigate the grief of infertility, pregnancy, or childhood loss. You will hear heartfelt conversations where practical strategies of healing will be shared. Inspiration and encouragement to guide you to find purpose from your pain. Thank you for joining me. I encourage you to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode and connect with me on social media. Now take a deep breath to feel safe, lean in, open your heart, and find strength in the stories shared. Together, let's explore the power of hope, healing, and living after loss. Hi, Kelsey. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm so excited to have mm-hmm. you on and hear your story more in mm-hmm. detail. I've got a little bit of story, but I want to hear the whole thing. So I'm excited to have you on. So welcome. Thank um, you. I always start with the same question. And that question is, who is Kelsey? <laughs> <laughs> Let's tell That's the listeners who you question. are. Yeah. yeah. So I am uh, a wife and a mother. Um, I have two kids. I have a boy and a girl. Uh, my husband and I have been married for 12 years. So um, we've been we've been in it for a while. Um, I'm also a nutritional therapy practitioner and regenerative farmer. Um, and beyond that, I'm also like a strength nerd. Like um, when I go to my happy place, it's usually out in my gym. Um, doing like barbell strength and conditioning so really yeah good for it's, you yeah thanks it's a it allows me to like burn off some aggression and it also uh like it's a really good goal setting activity and I can track progress so like my inner data nerd and type a personality has a lot of control over progress which is nice yeah that's good well maybe we'll talk about that another time <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> but it's not the subject of the podcast so no. we'll, we'll skip over that so you indicated that you're a mom of two mm-hmm. so of course that's what we want to talk about today you becoming a mom 
Can you walk us through that journey? Because I know from talking to you previously, it wasn't necessarily an easy journey to get to having those two children. No, and it was a journey that sort of, it, it like hit me when once it was here. Um, I don't, so I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. Hopefully that becomes a little bit more apparent as I share my story. Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband and I, so we got married in 2008 and we were on the like no kid train. Like we're like, we don't want kids. We don't want to, like, we both had really demanding jobs and we really liked our jobs and we really liked our freedom. And we really liked that, that dual income. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we, I, somebody called us dinks one time, which was dual income, no kids. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not. I have not. I we have adopted not. that. We're like, we're dinks and we loved our life. We had dogs and they were our children. And, um, you know, somewhere along the way after I think seven years or so like the like the baby bug sort of bit us you know like people are like well you'll want kids eventually and I'm like no you don't know what you're talking about and sure enough um I just woke up one morning and just was like I want to have kids and it took a little bit of convincing to get my husband on board and um sometimes I still have to give him a pep talk about being on board with him. but so we started trying and it was it did not happen right away um and there was a lot of guilt about that because I was like, did I wait too long? Like, you know, you know, well-meaning oh. people like in uh-huh. the, in the cafeteria at work would be like, well, if you don't start now, like you're going to get too old to have kids and mm. you know, like things like that. Yeah. So, so I was like, and I wasn't old at the time. I was, I think I just turned 30 when we decided that we wanted to have children. So, uh-huh. and 30 is not too old to be having kids. So. Absolutely not. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you're so, right. People will say that to you. Like, yeah, you hurry up. <laughs> I know. And I always joked about, um, I was like, I would love to write a blog or an article, like five things that you should never say to somebody who's struggling with, you know, fertility or struggling with infant loss or had a miscarriage. And I yeah. think like, you better hurry up, like, or like, you might not be able to have them would be on that list. Yes. Yes. There is yeah. a very long list that I have. that goes along with that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so we were trying um and again like it was at first it was just sort of like this is something we're gonna do like we want kids but I like we were just trying to trying to be breezy about it right like this is just gonna happen when it happens and you know I didn't expect it to happen right away anyway and after several months of no pregnancy and a cycle that you could write a calendar by, like there was never mm. any like glimmer of hope, like, oh my gosh, could I be like, I knew that, that it wasn't happening. And, um, about nine months into our journey to try, um, my sister-in-law announced they were pregnant with our second child. Ooh. And I was like, yeah, I was like so happy for them. Right. Like we love them. We are, so, we were so thrilled for them, but it was like, well, she gets two. And I don't get any, like how, like, that's so unfair. Mm, Yeah. And, and then the feelings of guilt that Mm. come with thinking about that, about another woman. Yeah. So when really, I just wanted to be happy for her. So I think this whole journey, like pulls out all of these, um, feelings like I feel like guilt is just a one that keeps coming up with this whole journey was like, I would feel a way that was very valid at the time, but at the time I felt guilty for feeling that way. But looking back, I'm like, okay, you like 100%, you had every right to feel the way that you felt. Absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah. So then again, we kept trying and um, a couple months later, um, it was just the weirdest thing. Like I had really stopped even paying attention because I was like, I don't even like, I'm, I don't even know what to do. And we were driving home from a wedding and I just felt like, like car sick the whole time, which was like, this is like so weird. Like I never get car sick. And it was, it was a wedding that was like seven hours away. Like we had went and gone and stayed for the the weekend. And so it was a seven hour drive back. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. And I, I remember getting home and I had, I was a youth group leader at the time. And I was sitting at the kitchen table and I'm like, I think I'm pregnant. Like, and I started doing the math, you know, like I should have started by now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm pregnant. And so I took a test and it was positive. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's so fan. It was so, I was so exciting and I didn't, I didn't want to get my husband's hopes up. So what I did was I got a little box and I, um, put a little bean in it, which was the size of the baby. And I gave it to him and it took him a second, but I was like, <laughs> this is like, do you know what this means? And he's like, I have no idea. And I was like, that's, like, that's it. And he's like, oh, you're pregnant. And I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. So um, it was a cute little way to tell him that, that we were pregnant and that little bean was there. So, so with that uh, nine months, year, whatever it was, did you um, do anything different? Like as far as going to the doctor, switching doctors, or were you just like, it's just going to take some time? We just, I, I, I had put a year mark on it. Like if oh, okay. this does not okay. happen in a year, we will go to the doctor because, okay. um, being again, like I joked about people saying I was too old and not like, I would start to worry, like, am I too old? But I understood like intellectually that I was not too old and that sometimes maybe it just took, like, it took longer than I thought it should have, but it mm-hmm. didn't, um, it didn't. I didn't feel like we were at the point where we needed medical help because again, my cycle was really regular. Um, I didn't have any other symptoms that I felt might be like, okay, like I don't even know that I, what I would tell the doctor other than we're trying and it's not, um, working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did. I did get, I don't know if this is helpful to listeners or anything. And I always refrain from offering this advice. Um, to people, but I remember listening to a podcast about it, there was a doula and she was talking about how it's always, or not always, but she finds um, conception more successful when um, you have sex like two or three days before you actually start ovulating or this before you would like uh, test positive on the ovulation test or um, your like tracker would show that you're ovulating. Um, and it just, cause a lot of times ovulation actually may start a day or two before it shows up or before um, it estimates it. Um, and we, we tried that a few cycles and I don't know if that's what did the trick, but um, we got pregnant within one or two cycles after trying that. Oh, interesting. Good information. So, yeah. Good information for people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of so, that, but okay. Yeah. So we, we went along, um, with the whole new pregnancy thing and, um, we were very nervous, um, about the pregnancy because it had taken us a while. And I'm like, what if this isn't real or what if something happens? And you mm. know how everyone, like the, the advice is like, don't tell anyone until you're past your first trimester and you're safe to tell people. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean like closest family members, closest friends, like that was it. So there was like about four people who knew that we were pregnant, um, which was a struggle because I was sick all day sickness 
Mm. Um, and like the smell of food would put me on the floor. Like I just, it was unlike anything I had ever experienced mm. in my entire life. So I was having to try to hide this from people because <laughs> again, I'm like, what if we lose it? What if it, what if this isn't real? Um, so we, we hadn't told anyone and we were going, getting ready to hit the 12 week mark. Um, and, but before we were doing that, we were going to go uh, to our midwife and listen to the heartbeat for the first time. And my mm. husband took off work and I rearranged my schedule and we went to the midwife's office and we, she got out her little goo and gooed up my belly and put the monitor on. Um, and she didn't hear anything. Mm. And as a new mom or first time mom, I mean, anytime, right. But this was yeah. my first pregnancy. Like there was so much hope in that heartbeat. Um, and it wasn't there. And our midwife, she's amazing, but she was like, I know this is concerning. Um, she's like, but at 11 weeks, it is not uncommon to not be able to hear a heartbeat. Sometimes it just, you just, the baby's angled and you just can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, okay, she's like, let's have you come back in a week and we'll try again. And we were, so, so some people may be wondering, like, why didn't you get an ultrasound at that time? And we had chosen the midwifery model. Um, we wanted something um, that felt, or that was a little bit less conventional. Um, and we, I tend to be a little bit more on the crunchy side of things. So, <laughs> um, so that's, that's just the model we went with. We weren't doing a ton of, you know, we did, we, when I did have my other children, we did like 20 week ultrasounds and some of the big ones, right. But we weren't doing regular ultrasounds. That was the, the choice that we made sure. for our family. So, um, sure. So and was, I want to go back to when you uh, said who you were. So it makes total sense to me. And I don't know if the listeners mm-hmm. caught that, but you're in nutrition. Mm-hmm. So that hence right. is, you know, and farming, right. you know, right. so everything like, more holistic and natural uh, and all of that makes total sense to right. me. Right. And nutrition and farming can both have conventional and holistic approaches. Mm-hmm. So there's two different ends of the spectrum and we definitely fall over on that holistic <laughs> end of the spectrum. So, um, so every, so in context, everything that I talk about, like um, we, that's just sort of the way that we, we lean with everything. Yeah. So, okay. Sounds yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we left the midwife's office and I just had like this sinking feeling and I'm like, I just know something is wrong. Mm. Um, and I just like, it was the intuition and I was very restless the next few days. And, um, I remember I woke up to go to my networking meeting. It was on a Thursday morning. Um, and it was an early, like it was an, it was the seven fifteen meeting and I went and I started cramping and, had to leave to go to the bathroom and I started bleeding oh. and I was like, I know what this is. Like, this is, um, this is a miscarriage. Mm. So like praying that I was wrong. I went home and called the midwife and she said, why don't you come in for an ultrasound today and we'll take a look. Um, and we went in, she took a look and there was no baby there. Mm. Um, it was a blighted ovum, which is where, the like sac forms and, and, uh, basically the, the placenta is being formed and everything, but there is no actual baby in there. Mm. Okay. So it was a very, um, sometimes I still have trouble processing that. Yeah. Like how, like, like I missed this baby that I didn't have. And then sometimes I have to like, it like almost kind of slaps me in the face. Like, you know, that negative, like, voice of sabotage that you have like well you never even had a baby like that's the thing like there was never a baby there and 
I don't know. I've kind of made peace with it that like when I'm grieving, I like I'm grieving like there was a baby there. Like to me for 11, well, I guess like probably being conscious of the pregnancy for seven weeks, there was a baby there. Mm-hmm. And I think that doing myself, it would do, be doing myself a disservice to say um, there was never a baby there when there was. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so then you, you just, did you go for a DNC? Did you miscarry we, at home? What, I'm, we miscarried at home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I figured we, that's probably well, we, the route you went, but I wanted to right. make sure. <laughs> right. And well, and we, she offered us a DNC. Uh-huh. Uh, we weren't going to be able to get one scheduled until the following Monday. Okay. Um, anyway, so it was, she wasn't concerned about safety or anything at that point. So, um, I was like, let's just see how, how it goes. Um, and, um, so the, the very next day I miscarried, it was on a Friday okay. and, um, I was just, it was not fun. No, pretty, pretty. Um, I don't know. I have a friend who had a DNC and, um, we've compared and shared experiences. And at the time I was like, I wish I had a DNC so I could just go in and get this over with. And then she had one and she just kind of explained like the process of, you know, very like medical and she felt very cold and desperate inside. And I'm like, gosh, I think that proves there's no good way to do this. There's no way that doesn't cause trauma and pain in this process. I would totally agree with that. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So So that's heavy. And that's very heavy. And and the, the irony of it all is that I thought that I was done then. Like I thought at the time I was like, okay, like we went through this and now it's over and now we can move on. And what I didn't know at the time was that grieving had such a tail, like the, the, like it still like occurs, right? Like sometimes I still get really sad. Um, but I didn't realize how long and how hard I would grieve after we lost that pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am glad that you said that because I think that a lot of times people don't realize, you know, people, what they say, you know, we'll go back to that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you never even heard the heartbeat. You never, you know, mm-hmm. really experienced the baby kicking, you know. So that should be easy to, to grieve and be over and done with. And, and it's not, right. It's not at all. Yes. I have, I was so lucky to be surrounded by some pretty wise friends at the time. And even though like, okay, so to step back too, because I do want to share this piece of advice with this or this just insight, this friend, friend shared with me, but then we were put in a position that, okay, we're going through this really traumatic event and all of four people know that we're pregnant. Mm. So what do we do, right? Who do we reach out to? Do we just not tell anybody? Or do we go to people and say, hey, you weren't important enough for me to share this good news with, <sighs> but you're important enough for me to share this bad news. And I know that's not what it is, but that's what I was afraid it would come across as. For sure, people. sure. Um, so we did a lot of grieving in private. And um, I hate that advice now to wait until the end of the first trimester in case you have a loss because I hear that and I'm like so if you have a loss you then are left to grieve on your own Mm. and how much worse is that than placing a burden on people that love you that they can can suffer this loss with you yeah yeah right right absolutely (laughs) absolutely 
So yeah, but people say that all the time, wait till the first trimester, mm-hmm. you know, in case you miscarry. Mm-hmm. And and you're right though. Why do we get that advice? I mean, there the possibility right. is that that could happen, but on the flip right. side, just like you said, like now you're grieving all by yourself and right. with no support and, 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 and who does that serve? You know? Right. Right. So I had this friend, so I had some friends that I kind of had to go to because I was really struggling and was like, Hey, I need to just tell you this. And I'm sorry, I didn't tell you before, but you know, we, I was 11 weeks pregnant. We had a miscarriage. Um, like we're, I'm just struggling. And one of my friends, she was just, she was so wise. And she gave me this advice. She's like, you know, again, it's not, I keep saying advice. It's like just this insight. And she's like, when, when a woman hears they're pregnant, they immediately go, or most cases they go to this, they write this story for themselves and they write this story of this baby, you know, how Mm -hmm. are they going to be born? How much will they weigh? Will they be a good sleeper? Are they going to love to play in muddy puddles? Are they going to be into the same music as you are? Are they going to be an athlete? I mean, you go all the way out to dancing with them at their wedding. Like you write this story. And you write it in an instant. You write it without realizing you're writing it. So when you have a pregnancy loss, you are stripped of that story. You are stripped in, of that investment in your future. And so, and I come back to that tidbit a lot when I think about, well, there was never a baby there, but there was mm. a story. And that's just as important. Absolutely. That was great insight that she gave mm-hmm. you. That, and that's yes, exactly yes. right. I mean, everyone listening, every woman listening, every man listening would agree with that because all of those dreams, all of that whole story, all of those hopes are just now gone. And they're very vivid, you know, yes. in your mind. Incredibly. You know, mm-hmm. so great, yeah. great insight for her to share that with you. Yes. Yeah. That was, that helped validate a lot of how I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But still hard, you know, doing that still on your own, very hard. And like I said, that tale that, so that like grief is, is so weird, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's so strong sometimes. And then it sort of like steps back and allows uh, other emotions to come in and then kind of comes charging back in what can potentially be harmful ways if we don't address it. So I started, and this is something, so on my blog, I wrote a a post about it a couple months after um, I had my miscarriage and kind of went public with it. And that, I will tell you, that is the number one read post on my blog, continuous to Mm. this day. Um, And I get more feedback on that of women being like, hey, me too. Like I had one and I've never told anyone besides my husband or besides my mom. And um, what you said, like, made me feel heard. So that's important. But I ended up writing one five years later, this past August. And, um, and I had shared this and I hadn't shared it at the time, but, um, I started drinking and I had never, like, I I had never used alcohol to really comfort feelings, but I would drink until I started picking fights with my husband Mm. because I had this like anger and sadness, just that I, I didn't know how to deal with inside. Um, And he finally was like, I can't do this anymore. Like we have to do something about this. So we ended up going to therapy, which was such a great decision. Mm -hmm. And really I talk to women, women will, again, women will come to me and share their story, especially early pregnancy loss. And I will say, 
please go to therapy, please find a trauma counselor or grief counselor and talk to them. And they'll be like, well, it was only a pregnancy loss, like nine weeks or 10 weeks. And it's like, they minimize this. And I'm like, I get that. But you what like the length of time doesn't matter it you had that story and it has been taken from you and you you should address that yeah before it catches you off guard yeah because it will you know it will even if you think you've resolved it 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 will resurface it will resurface and we and I can talk sort of about how we like the conception of my son after that but I will say that that I made a mistake when because we were, we ended up getting pregnant with my son who was born a healthy, um, a healthy baby. We had a healthy pregnancy, um, fairly quickly after, like in terms of like, like pregnancy loss and all that fairly quickly after. But, um, we, when we got pregnant, um, I canceled my next appointment with my therapist and was like, Hey, uh, we're pregnant. So I think I'm good now. <laughs> and that was, that was a mistake. Mm. Um, because the hustle and bustle of an excitement of being pregnant um, was take like was overshadowing that grief. And I really suffered with postpartum depression and rage with my son. And I would like, I compared to like, I can, I've compared it to like packing that grief away in a box mm-hmm. and, and just kind of sh- pushing it back in the attic. Um, but then stumbling across it and accidentally opening it and like just a flood of emotions just hits you. Um, and so I was finding myself trying to manage a four or five month old baby who didn't sleep. Um, (laughs) and like, did not like, did not sleep. Okay. Um, and all of these feelings of grief were welling back into me and it was just, I like, it was a mistake to cancel therapy before I was yeah yeah and well and I'm sure that as the you know the the first month you know the second month like Mm -hmm. I I don't know but like the fear and the anxiety is the same thing going to happen again are we going to lose this pregnancy you know and and that on top of grief Mm -hmm. is is um hard to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I was being wound tighter and tighter and tighter, like as a spring. And then like when the, like, I just couldn't hold it in anymore. Like I just exploded and it was just, I mean, I was, I was miserable. I was unhappy. Like I had this baby and I couldn't be happy that I had him. Um, and I, again, I was also very sleep deprived, so I'm sure that has something to do with it, but like, I don't, I don't want it to minimize what I, as you can see, I have a tendency to rationalize away, um, how I'm feeling. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it was, um, anyway, it was there. Yeah. 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 Okay. So no complications with that, that pregnancy of your son. No, um, we had, did you have um, morning sickness like really a- bad again? Oh my God. Okay. Yes. All three of my pregnancies, just terrible. Yeah. And we, and like you said, so that second conception, I, I, again, it was all day. Again, I couldn't even smell food and I would just be done. Mm. Like I just couldn't handle it. And um, the only thing that would help were these little ginger drops that um, I would suck on and they would provide me relief for about a minute and a half and then it would go back. <laughs> yeah. But like every, I did the bands, I did like apple cider, like I did like Unisom and six, like I did everything and nothing worked. So anyway, yeah, um, yeah. 
it was just tough. But I remember telling my husband, like, if this pregnancy, it does not take again, like, we're done. Like, I can't go through this much, like, morning sickness and all day sickness um, to not get a baby out of it. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Yeah. Sure. And God knew that. So he's like, we're not going right. to do this again. Yeah. He's like, here you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so going back to, or up to when you, um, started having the postpartum and all of that, did you go back to therapy then or send do some counseling then? I did. Okay. So okay. my head, we were in a little, we were, so all of this time during this whole time too, we were in the process of renovating the farmhouse that we live in now. Okay. So, um, just like stress on top of stress uh. on top of stress. Right. So, um, we had like, if anybody's ever renovated a house, like it usually works out that you have like $0 in the bank mm-hmm. when you're done, like literally. So we didn't have the money to go back to that same counselor, but my husband luckily has like a program through his work where I could get a few sessions for free. Um, like they were virtual sessions, but, um, just going back and just talking it through. Um, and even, I remember I had met some friends out for dinner and it was the first time I had left the house in the evening since before my son was born. And he's about six months old at this time. And just talking about how I was feeling, I hadn't even admitted it to my husband yet. Mm. And I just had a friend look at me and she was like, you have to talk to your husband about this. Like he has to know how you're feeling. Like he can't help you. Um, he can't be there for you if he doesn't know. So again, that was, I'm just so lucky that I have friends that are so wise. Yeah. Um, because just even including him in the conversation, like, Hey, I'm really struggling here. And he knew I was struggling. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think you, I don't think any woman goes through that. And the people who are living with them or close to them have no idea. Um, but he didn't know how to help. He didn't know what I was thinking. He didn't know why I was just so off. Mm. Yeah. So, so anyway, so yes, I did end up going back okay. to therapy. Um, and it was like, it was good. It was the right choice to do that. Um, I think we, yeah. we all, whether we've had a loss or, or um, a baby or whatever, we all need some help. We need people to talk to. And yes. you had some great friends to be able to do that because mm-hmm. sometimes even our close friends are like, eh, you know, I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep my mouth shut you know, because she may take this yeah. wrong or, you know, whatever. Right. And, and they don't want to share really what they're, what they're right. feeling. And so you did have some amazing right. friends that really, mm-hmm. that that's great, you know, so for the yep. listeners, find those great friends. If you don't have them now, right. find some find, good ones. Right. Right. And these are the friends that I rarely ever see. Like we get together. Well, gosh, with COVID, like I haven't seen them in over a year, yeah. but we rarely get together. But when we do, it's like, epiphanies left and right and fireworks and oh, that's awesome. all of that so um yeah so I'm a big fan of like depth in the friend pool not necessarily width of the friend pool and I know it's so hard especially I found side note as being a, a mom it's very hard to make friends as a mom so um you got when you find them you, I just kind of latch on to them and don't let them <laughs> there on, you go even if they want there to. you go so you indicated that there were three pregnant pregnancies so you have mm-hmm. uh you had a little boy and then there was another pregnancy. So interesting yeah. that it took about a year, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, a little, I, not really uh, infertility, but just took time to get pregnant. But with these, these other two pregnancies, there was no trouble. Nope. They were, yeah. First try really both of them. Wow. So the, 
yeah. your body was primed and ready then. Right. Right. Well, and that was the midwife had told us to wait three months to try again. And I, like, uh, by the time we decided to try again for our, my son, we had been in therapy for a few times and I was like, do you, I mean, do you want to start? Like, do you, like, this is like, I just talked to my husband about it and, um, he's like, yeah, like it'll probably take another year again. So we might as well get to it. <laughs> um, and then, and ironically, we were scheduled to go, we had, once we really, so we had, we had the miscarriage and um, again, we just kind of, we grieved for, we had a eat your feelings weekend. So we just went and like ate whatever we wanted and went to cupcake places and pizza and just ate the entire week or weekend um, and kind of like got ourselves back on our feet after that um, and um didn't really deal too much with it. But then that second wave hit where things got really bad. Um, and during that second wave, when we were coming out of that and really prioritizing like self-care and connection, we had booked a trip to Mexico for a few days in November. And uh, like two days before we left, I found out I was pregnant, oh. which is fantastic. Except that really puts a damper on a vacation to an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. Hey, so, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah they made money on you but (laughs) yes yes so but I mean I wouldn't trade it oh my gosh clearly but I was like oh okay so yeah yeah. you know so yeah but some good time good quality time together before Mm -hmm. before the pregnancy really hit hopefully you weren't really really sick on that trip I wasn't good I wasn't waited um, (laughs) well it did until the very last morning we were there um, and I was sitting like the, they had like an open air breakfast, or like dining area. Um, and I remember just being hit by a wave of nausea. And in, in the background, there was um, like Mexican music playing. And I like they had it going on all the time. Like uh, and um, front to this day, if I like if we go to like a Mexican restaurant and they have that music playing, it just like hits me with a wave of nausea because I'm like oh like that's when like I got that first big hit so it's weird how your body remembers yeah um sights and sounds and smells yes yes it's interesting interesting so then the second uh third pregnancy I guess everything went fine with that and and no problem Mm -hmm. well good 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 And as, I mean, as anybody who's had that loss and then has pregnancy, like you are, like by the time I had the second one, we were walking on eggshells so much with the first one, but there's still that fear mm-hmm. with any pregnancy afterwards. Like, you know, that, you know, it's there and you know how it feels. And it's like, just like that first, that first ultrasound or the first time you hear the heartbeat, like you're just like it's like you're traumatized from that letdown of that first one. Sure. Sure. Did you have problems um, later in, you know, the pregnancies with either one of those with like anxiety and stuff, or, or was it really just that I, first trimester that not, it was just the okay. first trimester. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. And once we were able to see like, because that first one was a blighted ovum, um, and, and I guess it's sort of a blessing that we saw it and it was, um, a fact. And in that moment, like I have friends who had, who had pregnancies where the baby was not developing and there was still several weeks of watching and waiting to see what would mm-hmm. happen. Um, so I guess it's a, a small comfort to not have to, um, worry 
like that. Like I can't imagine mm. that yeah. um, endless just fear and worry and heartbreak. Like you can feel it unfolding and there's nothing you can do yeah, about it. Not a thing. Not a thing. Well, good. Yeah. Well, thank you so yeah. much for sharing all that. And, sure. and if there's anything to. else that advice, um, words of encouragement, I would like you to kind of sum her up. You've given a lot, you know, insight <laughs> from your friends and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you kind of want to uh, summarize some words of encouragement, yeah. words of advice for the listeners, yeah. that would be awesome if you can, if you'd be willing to do that. Yeah. So absolutely. So um, I think it comes down to two big okay. ones. And the, the first one is don't minimize it. Don't minimize how you're feeling. Mm. Um, just because it was a, an early loss, just because it was a blighted ovum, just like don't use those words, like just because it was this. I, I shouldn't be grieving. I don't understand why I'm grieving. Cause I've heard like women have told me that, like, I don't understand why this hurts so much. I was only nine mm. weeks pregnant. Um, like don't minimize your grief. Don't minimize the gravity of the situation. Like fully embrace how big this story was for you. Um, and then the next one is go to a grief counselor, go to a therapist, go to a pastor, go to somebody who can help mm -hmm. you. Um, it, is it will follow you for the rest of your life either way. But I feel like that, that work with someone um, teaches you coping, teaches you perspective. And it is, it's, it's so important to be able to move on and to continue to thrive and live this life that you were put here to do without just being crushed by grief every single mm -hmm. day for the rest of mm -hmm. your life. That is, those are both really, really good for, um, words of encouragement and advice. And I, and with the second, I would say a lot of times women, men, whatever, both together don't seek out that counseling or therapy or coaching or whatever. And then the marriages end up being over, you know? And mm -hmm. so, you know, it was obvious what you said earlier that it was important that you did because you were using alcohol and then starting fights, you know, <laughs> with your husband. Mm -hmm. So that right. could have gone a total different direction. <laughs> yeah. And I'm grateful yeah. that he said enough. Like I'm, yes. I, and I'm glad that he didn't, I'm glad that he turned back around and fought for our marriage because if he hadn't, I don't know what would have, like, I, I wouldn't have wanted to live with me in that right. time um, and like not fair for him. So, yep. So get like, go before it gets to that yeah. point and go and also men grieve too, Absolutely. right? Like um, even though, even though women, I think women like it's different. And I think a lot of times it's, it might be deeper, but, but the, but dads have a loss too. And I think we forget that. And And when we were talking earlier, you were talking about how like, um, grandparents, right? Like grandparents yeah. have a loss too. And everybody who's close to that mother or that father have a loss in that pregnancy loss. And, um, it's not a competition on who has the worst loss. It's not, um, you know, this, this, like we can all grieve and grieve together and grow in that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the husband, the dad has that story as well. You know, as soon as they found mm -hmm. out, as soon as the 
little box right. with the bean, you know, was given. Right. He yeah. he had a whole story, a whole vision, you know, mm -hmm. that that he was right. planning. So yeah, there's right. tremendous loss and, there. You know, you know, I would say I have one more piece of advice if I can share sure. this one. And then this is just something that's a little bit more practical. Um, I wish I had asked for an ultrasound of the, the blighted ovum mm. because I have, I have nothing. When I got home, I was in, within that first month when I was just having a hard time processing, I ended up getting mad and throwing that bean in that box Ooh. away. Um, and I have, I have nothing, nothing from that baby now. Um, except my own memory and feelings. And, and I don't know, like I, I, it would be nice. I have um, ultrasound pictures framed of my two other kids. And looking back, I wish I had an ultrasound mm. of that child. Um, so it may seem hard. It may seem um, pointless or um, like self-inflicting pain to ask for it. But I think, I don't know. I just wish I'd had it. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because that happens. That happens even with um, later in pregnancy, mm -hmm. you know, losses. That sometimes people are like, "Oh, mm -hmm. we can't have pictures," you know, of of that child, mm -hmm. you know, the stillbirth or whatever. But everyone, right. everyone that I've talked to, is mm -hmm. so grateful the ones that had some mm -hmm. sort of pictures. That's something that they look at all the time, yes. but it just mm -hmm. helps with that memory and, right. and stuff that they, that they have that, yes. that, that, that yes. possession of something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had friends that, we had friends that had a, their pregnancy, they found out that their, and I, I forget which chromosome, but the baby had initiated yeah. chromosomes and they knew it was not viable. So they induced labor and, the baby only lived for about an hour and it was devastating, but they had a birth yeah. there who captured everything. And she ended up sharing these pictures on Facebook and they were the most moving thing. And she's like, I know people might think it's weird that we had this birth photographer there. Um, but I'm so grateful yeah. that we did. Yep. So that's, I've heard that over and over and over again. So mm -hmm. Even if people do think it's weird, it's not about them. It's not right. about it's them. It's not them, right. It's about right. you. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. don't worry about yes. them. We worry too much about others. So right. Worry about, worry about you. So, well, thank you yes. so much for coming on today. Again, for mm -hmm. sharing. Um, I'm sure that the listeners have grabbed lots and lots of nuggets, things that they will maybe not use right now, but it's there. You've planted the seeds for them, mm -hmm. and I appreciate you doing that. I'm happy to be here, and thank you so much for having putting this amazing resource yeah. out there for men and women and practitioners and everybody. It is We need to continue to talk about this until it stops becoming yes, taboo. I agree. So thank you so much again. Awesome. Thank you. so much for joining me. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button so that you don't miss an episode. Check the show notes for any resources mentioned during this episode. And I want to invite you to download my free guide at www.livingaftergrief.com forward slash grief hyphen impact hyphen wheel. 
It's called the Grief Impact Wheel and it's designed to guide you to begin your grief transformation. Also, remember that you don't move forward or allow your grief work to start until you begin to talk about it. I encourage you to move from that stuck state by talking with someone. Reach out to me or someone that can support you in moving forward. If you'd like to connect with me, you can message me at Living After Grief on social media or email me at Teresa at livingaftergrief.com. I can't wait to be with you again next week, and I'm sending you love and peace, my friends.